We shall not flag. We shall go on. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas. We shall defend our land. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Let me wrap up. There is a mismatch between what science knows and what business does. Here is what science knows. Number one, those 20th century rewards, those motivators we think are natural part of business do work, but only in a surprisingly narrow band of circumstances. Number two, those if-then rewards often destroy creativity. Number three, the secret to high performance isn't rewards and punishments, but the unseen intrinsic drive, the drive to do things for their own sake. The drive to do things because they matter. And here's the best part. We already know this. The science confirms what we know in our hearts. So, if we repair this mismatch between what science knows and what business does, if we bring our motivation, notions of motivation, into the 21st century, if we get past this lazy and dangerous ideology of carrots and sticks, we can strengthen our businesses. We can solve a lot of those conflicts, and maybe, maybe we can change the world. I rest my case. There's a coincidence here today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard a ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and an historian later said he lived by the sea. He died on it and was buried in it. Well, today we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us by the manner in which they lived their lives. We shall never forget them, nor the last time we saw them, this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye, then slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey and Territory. I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. I just recited four speech closings, the first from Winston Churchill on England's response to Germans' invasion during World War II, the second from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, the third from Dan Pink on the mismatch between what science knows and what business does, and the last was Ronald Reagan's tribute to the astronauts who died on the Space Shuttle Challenger. I'm going to talk about each of those closings in more depth in just a few minutes. But first, what didn't you hear in any of those closes? That's all. The end. Thank, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Do you have any questions? No, no, of course you didn't hear that. In a previous podcast, which I'll link in the description, I talked about the most squandered opportunity with business presentations and speeches is the opening. Well, speech closings come in a close second as a squandered opportunity. One should never close a speech by thanking the audience, nor asking if there are any questions or any other perfunctory housekeeping issues that speakers tend to do during their close. 
Oh, okay, before you go, if you parked in Lot C, be sure to get your ticket stamped in the front by Jennifer. No, no, forget all that stuff. If you want to thank the audience or ask if there are any questions, do it during your two-minute warning. I'll explain what that is in just a second. The ending of the speech should be the moment of truth. This is when the audience decides what to do with the message you just gave them. A speaker's close is the last best chance to have the audience buy what you're selling, be persuaded by your moral imperatives, or inspired by your call to action. Just as there are tried and true methods for dynamic openings, the same holds true for closings. And before I get to the four most effective ways to close a speech, let me explain what I call the two-minute warning. It is a preamble that should precede every kind of close, and I don't mean two minutes literally. It is a metaphor. You are signaling your audience that you are just about done, and it is time for them to heighten their, their attention. Here are some popular ways to deliver your two-minute warning and transition into your clothes. I just used one before I get to. Dan Pink used a different one. Let me wrap up by. If there's going to be a Q&A after your speech, your two-minute warning might sound like this. Before I get to any questions, let me leave you with this. Or if you want to thank the audience, Lastly, in addition to thanking you, I'll leave you with this interesting story. Let me conclude by, I trust you grasp the concept. Now for the four best ways to close a speech. Number one, a call to action. I'm sure many have heard of it. It is certainly the favorite close among most public speaking training courses. Based on the key points of the speech, you're asking the audience to take specific actions here are a couple of examples. If the speech is about living a healthier lifestyle, the call to action might be commit to walking 10,000 steps a day, join a gym, and to cut sugar out of your diet. If the speech is about the importance of gaining financial independence, the call to action might be pay yourself first, save 10% of your income, and maximize your 401k contributions. What you heard at the top of the podcast was Winston Churchill's very famous call to action to the people of Great Britain. Number two, circle theory, sometimes called echo or closing the thought circle. With this method, you are closing with the same technique you opened with. If you opened with a startling statistic, end with the same one. Your audience will have a deeper understanding of it or will see it with new insight based on what they learn from the body of your speech. If you open with a story, revisit that same story in your close, maybe with a different perspective. Lincoln's close in the Gettysburg Address is an example of the circle theory close. The opening of his speech begins with an allusion to the founding of our nation and our Constitution, which begins with the phrase, we the people. Of course, Lincoln's close echoes the people when he says, of the people, by the people, and for the people. Number three, a summary close, sometimes called the recap close. In my experience, this is the most popular close used in business environments. It is pretty straightforward in that the speaker restates his main points. The third example I recited in the opening of this podcast was a summary close by Dan Pink. 
Number four, tell a story. The last closing I recited was Ronald Reagan's. In his tribute to the astronauts who died on the space shuttle, he ended with a story about Sir Francis Drake and compared him and his mission to that of the fallen astronauts. There are many types of stories that can be told in a close. I went into, I went into depth about these many kinds of stories in a previous podcast, and I'll link to that in the description. All four of those closes I used as examples have something very, very significant in common. That's why I use them. They are not just boilerplate closes, merely giving a call to action, a summary, an echo to the opening, or telling a story. They all have layered in very powerful rhetorical devices. I did an entire podcast on rhetorical devices. I'll link that in the description as well. In the first example, Winston Churchill uses the most famous example of the rhetorical device called an aphra, the repetition of words or phrases at the beginning of successive clauses. He used we shall ten different times. Repetition, by the way, is also a very powerful rhetorical device. Lincoln used an aphra as well, of the people, by the people, for the people. These three phrases also demonstrated another rhetorical device called tricolon. This is when three clauses, phrases, or sentences are grouped together, often referred to as the power of three. In that short little close, Lincoln also used a device called allusion, which is a figure of speech that makes a brief reference to a historical event, figure, or object. He does this by referring to the founding of our nation four score and seven years ago and the chartering document, the Constitution. In his clothes, Pink uses the rhetorical device of repetition and contrast brilliantly, what science knows and what business does. And here's that ever-popular anaphora again. We can strengthen, we can solve, we can change. This is also an example of a tricolon, which Pink uses throughout his entire close. Reagan told an inspirational story to close his tribute to the Challenger astronauts. He also used allusion by referring to Sir Francis Drake and by quoting from a poem by the fighter pilot poet John Gillespie. They slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. And he too used the ever-popular power of three, he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Now, once you have chosen a close, whether it be a call to action, a summary, an echo to the opening, or just a story, spice it up a bit by adding in a few rhetorical devices. This is not nearly as difficult as it might sound. You know why? We all use rhetorical devices all the time. It's just that most of us are not conscious of that fact. Rhetorical devices are part of our normal speech patterns. We learn them unconsciously by virtue of learning the language. Now, I'm not suggesting that you use we shall 10 times in a sales pitch or that your rhetoric be as soaring as the examples I used. High-flying rhetoric of that kind is not practical in most business and entrepreneurial settings. But there is no doubt that you can take the text of a speech close which has already been crafted and reword it using a few rhetorical devices. Instead of using two examples, use three. Now you have the power of three. 
Instead of saying, it was shining, dazzling, and lively, you can say it was brilliant, bright, and bubbly. No change in meaning, but now you have an alliteration, the same sound of closely connected words. Instead of saying sales were up 15%, say sales exploded by 15%. Hyperbole and metaphor, both powerful rhetorical devices. As I have said in previous podcasts, I'll probably say again in future podcasts, just using words so as that they sound pleasing to the ear is one of the most underrated aspects of good public speaking. So spice up those closings. If you found this message useful, and are listening, please consider following me on your podcasting hosting site. And if you're watching on YouTube, please consider subscribing to my channel. As for me and today, that's all there is. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe and catch the trade in your safe. We're on the move now.